Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using the hashtags nonprofitutopia, market smart, fundraising report card, and data-driven fundraising. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit utopia. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions right now. In order to use the chat room, all you have to do is press a little button right on the episode page, and you'll find that um, right beneath the little description of the program. If you have any questions that you don't feel comfortable posting, you can also email me at Valerie F. as in Frank Leonard at nonprofitutopia.com. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark or so, although if you are participating in the chat, you can start right now if the spirit moves you. And if not, you can give us a call at 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. We encourage you to sign up for a mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the nonprofit Utopia community. We've included a link to our mailing list in the comment section. Every living organism has vital signs or key indicators of health. For us humans, these include things like blood pressure or heart rate, respiratory rate, and temperature. In very much the same way, organizations also have key indicators of health, and depending on the organization, its goals and objectives, these key performance indicators may vary. However, regardless of where your organization is in its development or what it does, you should have a set of financial key performance indicators or what we would call KPIs, and this would include things like fundraising, donor retention, return on investment, etc. We'll talk about how your organization can use data-driven fundraising as part of your performance management system and growth strategies. Today's guest is Dan Doyle. Dan is the Chief Evangelist for Fundraising Report Card, an analytics and reporting tool for nonprofits provided by MarketSmart. Fundraising Report Card was developed with one goal in mind, and that is to help nonprofits raise more money more efficiently. But simply, it's the most powerful cloud-based tool helping nonprofits raise more money through easy-to-use performance dashboards, key performance indicators, and sector benchmarking. With over 4,000 clients, Fundraising Report Card has processed over $37 billion in charitable giving, making sure their free cloud-based benchmarking tool the largest available today. 
And the good thing, um, we'll hear more about it, um, there is a free option. So I am really, really looking forward to hearing about this whenever I hear free. That doesn't mean it's invaluable, but I, I love to hear free. So thank you so much for being with us today, Dan. Before we get started, thank you for you having me. A little, mm-hmm, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you came to philanthropy? Yeah, well, it's a it's a long story, but I'll give you the nickel version. I've been around. Uh, <laughs> well, let's just say <laughs> I'll stop counting at twenty five years. I've been around in the space for okay. over twenty five <laughs> years, and we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, so okay. you know, right now Welcome I'm the, to the club. <laughs> I'm senior, um, uh, but youthful <laughs> at heart. Uh, so I'm right now I'm the chief evangelist over fundraising report card, and we'll take a moment later to discuss what that's all about. Prior to that, okay. uh, I was the founder of Charity Sprout, which is a mobile fundraising application for nonprofits to raise what are called micro donations. So I spent uh, three years founding that enterprise and uh, building out the, the tools and technology. Uh, prior to that, I was the CEO and owner of Mal Warwick and Donor Digital. It was an integrated fundraising agency founded, oh gosh, 30 plus years now, maybe even 40 years ago, by Mal Warwick, mm-hmm. uh, one of the gurus of direct response fundraising. And he also founded mm-hmm. Donor Digital. And I uh, uh, was one of the principal owners there and led to the integration of those two businesses so we could provide integrated services to our clients at offices here in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I am at right now today, also in Washington, D.C., my clients and staff all across the country. So, um, And how I came into philanthropy, I, I think like many, many, many people, <laughs> surely, surely by accident. I was interviewing uh, way back when for my first job right out of college uh, for a traveling consultant. I was going to travel across the country to colleges and universities and do consulting uh, with affiliate chapters at those universities and business schools. And uh, after the interview, I figured I did pretty well. And on the ride back to the airport, uh, the guy who was the executive director at the time said, you know, I really appreciate your interviewing for this traveling consulting position, but I'd like you to consider a director of development position. <laughs> so I um, <laughs> I gathered I had the job if I said yes. And I said, well, let me look at it. I said yes. I, I took a job. So by happenstance, like a lot of people, I just bumped into fundraising and philanthropy. Oh, that's awesome. So you are, I guess, a marketer and salesman at the core, it sounds like. That, that's really, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually probably that and a fundraiser. I skipped over a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, I spent about 12 years in Chicago at the Alzheimer's Association where I was a senior uh, fundraising executive for their direct mm-hmm. response program. We raised, we raised about $30 million a year direct mail and online. Um, wow. so I've been on both sides of the equation. I've been on the client side and the consulting side. Okay. So how did you come to work with Market Smart? It's, you know, and in particular the fundraising report card. Well I've known Greg Warner, the founder of Market Smart and his team built out fundraising report card for some time. He's actually uh, one of my advisors for my my startup, uh, Cherry Sprout. And um, I was kind of coming off of uh, selling my company, my work, Donor Digital, and had taken about a year sabbatical and had a kid on the way. And, and I had some after the kid arrived and 
know, kind of got settled in and all that, I figured I needed to make an honest man of myself and actually go back to working. <laughs> and uh, just started telling people I have no idea what I want to do. I'm selling my company, and um, I've got this company I started as a founder. I'm kind of handing that off. I, yeah, I don't know. I just want to do something. And interestingly enough, he just by chance said, hey, have you ever heard of my this thing I built called Fundraising Report Card? And I, uh, I hadn't, and I looked it up, and I'm, I was uh, – excited and angry at the same time. I was angry because I had actually had the same exact concept when I was the owner and CEO of <laughs> Malwarex Associates. I thought we could build a analytic toolkit that existed in the cloud because the brand was so powerful to do analysis for all these organizations across the country and indeed the world. And uh, So I was excited because it was something that I was passionate about years ago, probably way before the technology could support it. And we just happened to know each other really well, and so uh, it made a great fit for me to come over here and, and help a little bit with fundraising report cards. That's how I landed here, a little bit by accident. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, sounds like a great accident. Yes. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about Market Smart and the fundraising report card itself? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the, the shortest but most impactful description about MarketSmart is um, they really are a tool company to help fundraisers mm -hmm. qualify, prioritize, and cultivate major giving and plan giving candidates. And that's their niche is high-dollar major giving and plan giving. And they have a really robust toolkit that fundraisers can use to qualify, prioritize, and cultivate behind the scenes so that the fundraiser can actually be in the business of landing the major gifts and plan gifts. Um, you know, it's an amazing thing that people can go to imarketsmart.com and learn a lot more about everything they do with so many clients all across the country. I think that the biggest um, kind of testimonial I always give is my alma mater happens to be a client of Market Smart, and their testimonial is 60 to 1 return <laughs> for every dollar we've invested wow. in working with Market wow. Smart and their tools. We get $60 back through major giving and plan giving. And that's just actually, that was like in the infancy of their relationship. So um, I encourage people, even though I'm not involved in all the great work that Market Smart does directly in that space, I'm involved in the fundraising report card tool that they built. I think everyone should check, kind of check them out at imarketsmart.com. They have a major giving program and they really want to, or plan giving program really want to do more. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that coin is fundraising report card, which was developed by a small kind of Funkworks team there, uh, Zach Shevka, Shevka, the CEO of Market Smart, and Greg, uh, the, the founder of Market Smart, and a couple coders and programmers kind of just over the weekend described, you know, this tool that they thought people could upload data files, nonprofits, and they would crunch the data and pr provide to them really meaningful and actionable analytics. And uh, they didn't mm -hmm. really find a lot of people were doing that. All of the CRM tools have lots and lots of reports, rows and columns and numbers, reams and reams of reports they can provide, but no one was really providing actionable, high-level analytics with dashboards that visualize things and KPIs that were sort of baked in. Um, so that was sort of uh, uh, the genesis of a fundraising report card, which at its core is a cloud-based analytic tool for any nonprofit to, around the world. Frankly, we've got clients all around the world mm -hmm. uh, who wants to better understand their fundraising program with some standard KPIs and dashboards and want to do it easily, uh, quickly, and mm -hmm. inexpensively. 
So what I'm hearing is you can access your own account, your own data from anywhere in the world, assuming that they have adequate um, Internet connection. Absolutely. We have clients all around the world, uh, small, little, tiny, tiny local organizations with hundreds of donors to organizations with millions upon millions of donors. And the beauty of the tool is sort of drag and drop a file into the dashboard. It turns it through in a couple minutes, and you're up and running. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, you don't have to be an analytic whiz or superstar or have a Ph.D. in uh, statistics or anything. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to be a tech expert. <laughs> we take care of all of that for you. All we have to be is someone who's curious and wants to know more about their program. Uh, and be able to develop strategies. If you're curious and can see analytics and develop strategies and tactics, you're up and running. So can you tell us a little bit about the state of fundraising? I don't know if it varies from locale to locale, but, you know, what are you seeing with your clients? So, wow, this this is actually a whole hour-long conversation, but I'm going to keep it to uh, maybe a couple minutes here because it really is, um, a state of flux. So maybe I've got uh, maybe six things that I know. You know, the big sort of 30,000-pound uh, gorillas are MNR, which provides MNR strategic services, which provide really, really deep benchmarking and uh, on uh, uh, online fundraising, and they sort of have really cornered that. And then Blackbot has really got is just it's sort of the general state, and so they really do great work there and kind of looking at 2018 and all the lessons learned and everything that everyone surfaced and including our benchmarking tools. We have a free benchmarking toolkit uh, for all of our clients within beta. I think the first thing that kind of came out that was really quite surprising for people is online fundraising plateaued 1% year over year growth from 2000 to 2018, which is surprising. Yeah. And, you know, fundraising is fairly stagnant. I think that's it. You know, everything I'm, you know, so this online was stagnant. I think a lot of areas were stagnant. You know, you can compare Mm -hmm. that to the 23% growth in online fundraising uh, back in 2017. So it plateaued. Um, I think Mm -hmm. another thing that sort of is the big state of fundraising is people are realizing what I've been saying for some time now is it is crowded. I, you know, used to, when I own my own agency, I used to tell people there's a lot of competition out there and uh, don't think others are interested, are not interested in your donors and don't think your donors aren't interested in other great causes. So the competition aspect in fundraising and in the nonprofit space is a, is a really, really um, big component that's getting uh, more and more difficult to navigate. Monthly giving is king. It's been something that's growing and growing. It's growing across all channels and it seems to be a real big driver for success. Acquisition is tougher and tougher. Doesn't matter what channel you're in. Um, finding new donors is more and more difficult and more and more expensive, which makes donor retention, existing donor retention, so especially mid mid level donors, uh, even more importantly. The adage now is, you know, retention is the new acquisition, um, and I see that continuing in the future. Wow. You know, people are still playing around with new tools, um, social media, and all that. It's still a big question mark there. No one's really showing, you know, great success models that others can leverage easily and replicate. Uh, and I guess maybe the final thing I would say around the state of fundraising is mobile is not going anywhere. It's it's more and more part of fundraising. Um, people use mobile mm-hmm. tools that in the United States 
more and more like they do in other countries. So I, I think mobile's here to stay. Okay, so that's interesting. So I I also think about peer-to-peer fundraising, and I also yeah. think about Giving Tuesday. Um, and, and it's interesting that online giving has plateaued in spite of the fact that Giving Tuesday seems to be experiencing exponential growth. So I'm just wondering if the numbers we're seeing from Giving Tuesday not only include you know what they collect online, but just as part of the the annual funds you know that they collect. I, I don't know. Do you do you have a sense for that? I'm not sure if you, you know, my deal sense with is, that at all. Yeah, I don't directly deal with that, but my sense is that it just is um, sort of concentrating giving and just like direct mail. You know, most direct mail fundraising happens at the end of the year, right? And so I think it's just as mm-hmm. concentrating online giving. Um, that's probably what we're seeing. And so it means people don't do stuff other times of the year. Although I think online giving is still a rock star to be used uh, mm-hmm. extensively by organizations. Okay. Now, does your company offer support to folks who want to launch their Giving Tuesday campaigns? In fact, they're starting to engage in activities earlier and earlier. I, I know last year they, you know, the Giving Tuesday folks started in May. I haven't checked this year, but I'd imagine they would be getting warmed up right about now, letting folks know yeah. what they need to do. Yeah, we, we are clearly, we put our stake in the ground in analysis. And so we do know a lot of other folks out there have all this sort of spider web of services. And we, we're really clear that we're about data analysis, providing dashboards and key performance indicators to everyone. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, if you're raising a lot of money online and giving Tuesday is a component of that and you want to understand more, you can come to us and we can help you analyze that. I got you. Um, we don't provide mm-hmm. direct consulting services. Although, frankly, you know, we, we do a lot of demos to our clients. And there, there oftentimes are there are often times when we are asked, what do you think about this and what do you think about that or what are your experiences? So it's not unusual that we are on a call with a client and are able to kind of collect what we know from we've got over 4,000 nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. as clients. So, you know, we know a little bit about the status of fundraising and what takes place in the various channels. Oh, okay, great, great. So I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast and we're speaking with Dan Doyle. He's the Chief Evangelist for Fundraising Report Card, an analytics and reporting tool for nonprofits, and this is provided by Market Smart. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience and chat room at about the 30-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121, and if you are listening and watching the episode feed, you can start posting your questions and comments right now, and then we'll just share them at the 30-minute mark. We've also noticed that our international audience is growing and that we would like to make sure that our podcast is reflective of that growth around the world. So if you are listening from a country other than the United States and you know of heads of NGOs that we should consider having on the show, please contact us at info at nonprofitutopia.com. So, um, you know, just so you know, I'm a consultant to nonprofit organizations, and I 
help them uh, with what we call capacity building, helping them put structures in place. So when we started talking about uh, performance management, or rather when I started reading about your company and how you can help them with performance management, my eyes just kind of opened and I heard bells just going ding, 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 ding. And right. it kind of rem- <laughs> reminded me of the fact that funders, you know, more now than ever, they're requiring that organizations demonstrate more accountability. So not only are they looking for programmatic outcomes, they're looking for more efficiency in operations. How can fundraising report card help organizations demonstrate efficiency in fundraising processes? Boy, this is an easy one. That I think we're the gold standard, and I, I don't say that just as the chief evangelist, but also someone who has worked at a nonprofit and worked for a consulting firm helping nonprofits build capacity and raise okay. money. Um, the, the core of what we do, the essence of the organization, and all of what we provide our clients is to help them demonstrate efficiency, to understand the effectiveness of their program. So whether it's the 32 dashboards that we have that provide visualizations of uh, metrics for the program or the 11 key performance wow. indicator snapshots, in there is a metric that can be applied to demonstrating your efficiency and effectiveness as a fundraiser, whether it's measuring growth in donor, donors and dollars, uh, retention rate, donor lifetime value, upgrade, downgrade, you know, it's all in there. So uh, the beauty of what we have is that if you need to demonstrate that you are efficiently using the dollars and effectively using the dollars, and let's say the metric of a fundraiser is this is a capacity-building grant, are you growing, we have a key, key performance indicator for that. We have a dashboard mm-hmm. to indicate growth in donors and dollars. You know, if you have money from funders to help you address, you know, low retention rates, we have a dashboard for that. So. You know, um, we've wow. got something in the you – know, so you know, there are a set number of key performance indicators and metrics in fundraising, and uh, we've got them all underneath our tent, and you don't necessarily want to use all of them. You don't need all 32 dashboards to, to be successful. In fact, mm-hmm. probably too many. But there are three to five that are probably spot on for your organization, and I have no doubt that we've already built something for that. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to know how to calculate it. We do all that for you. Oh my goodness, that that is great. So what are some of the more common financial and fundraising KPIs or key performance indicators that that you help organizations track? Well, so I sort of like there are three keys um, to financial Mm -hmm. and fundraising KPIs. I, I do a webinar on analytics for small and mid-sized organizations. They don't have analysts. They don't have agencies. They sometimes don't even have databases, right? And so I always say, here's three things. Start with these three. Um, So the three are growth. Um, Are you growing? You always want to have a growing, robust fundraising program. In donors and dollars, you should be measuring it both ways. So I guess technically that's Mm -hmm. two things, but let's call it one, growth. Is your fundraising program growing? That's the first. The second mm-hmm. is retention by loyalty. Donor retention is more important. You know, growth says that more and more people are interested in your organization and investing. Retention tells mm-hmm. you a lot if you measure it by loyalty. Are first-time donors to your organization staying on board? Is your message to a new donor 
Does it resonate with them? Do they come back and buy from you again and again? Just like a retail outlet, they keep going to your mm-hmm. store. Long-time donors, if you have high retention rates from your most loyal donors, those who give year after year, that's an important metric for people to know. And if it's sliding down, you know you are not resonating with your long-standing donors. And finally, the third is donor lifetime value. It, 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 I, maybe I'm saving the best for last. Donor lifetime value is yeah. the most important key metric that any organization can be measuring because it rules everything about health of file, health of donor, uh, mm-hmm. management, uh, everything is rolled up in that. You're messaging if it's resonating. Uh, do you have the right tools and tactics in place? Is your strategy online? Are you relevant in the broader community? You know, the fact that you have donors who will give year after year after year and you can calculate anticipated long-term value of those individuals, it puts in retention, it puts in growth, it puts in upgrades and downgrades. All of those get uh, uh, synthesized into a, a one number of donor lifetime value, and we even build that out um, on what the paid versions uh, of fundraising report card. We actually calculate out donor lifetime value for the specific files that the client's uploading. It takes seconds to do that. So I would say that's the first one, frankly. Retention is another one, and growth is mm-hmm. a really important API. Okay, so that's amazing. Suppose you get a report that flags to you or, you know, once you look at the KPIs and you see that, you know, a couple of those KPIs might be off in terms of what you were expecting or in terms, I think I heard you say um, people can also access industry benchmarks. So in terms of what their peers are doing or in terms of what they expected, do you work with clients to help them? develop corrective strategies if they find that what they thought they were going to do isn't working? Yeah, we're the data people, so we surface Mm -hmm. the opportunities and challenges. Um, It is Mm -hmm. not unusual, though, depending on the organization, that they will upload their data and will want us to help walk through that. And it's not unusual Mm -hmm. that we will help them see the red flags, see the things that are going really well. You know, usually people just want to know what's mm-hmm. going well and what's going wrong. And the things mm-hmm. that are going, what's going well, they usually can figure out just do more of that, right? The things that are going wrong, mm-hmm. half the time they'll, they'll go, oh, yeah, we knew that's a problem. We're doing this and that. The other half of the time, the organization, you know, they don't have agencies. They, they, they're probably, you know, just on a shoestring. And they're like, well, what could we do? A, a great example is when clients, run these for the first time and they start seeing donor retention rates that they probably haven't seen before and they see first-time donor retention Mm -hmm. rates and they see maybe they're low, maybe they're in the teens Mm -hmm. or the 20% retention and the benchmark is usually around a third, 33%. So their natural question Mm -hmm. is, why do we have such a low first-year donor retention rate? And it leads to a conversation about, well, what are you doing to engage those people? What are you doing to show them the love? Uh, Are you thoughtful and uh, do you actually have a, uh, an, an intentional fundraising program or do you just sort of take that first gift and then you know, maybe a year later ask for another one, right? It's your anniversary and you've done nothing. Yeah, right. So often, right, oftentimes the red flags in the KPIs and dashboards from fundraising report cards lead to precisely what you're talking about, which is how can we better and how can we improve these, these metrics? So we do help with oh, that. That's wonderful. That, that's wonderful because because often, not every time, but often 
you, you know, talk with people and all they do is crunch the numbers and they leave it to the clients to interpret them and then determine, of course, of action. And, again, I, I get that you're a data person, but I think it helps the, the fact that you've had experience actually doing this stuff, you know, all throughout your career, that you can also have that value added and help them get yeah. behind the numbers. The, the other thing I should probably uh, plug right now is there is an extensive help center, and um, over the last several years there have been blog after blog after webinar after webinar that Fundraising Report Card has posted and published on our site mm -hmm. that addresses awesome. the things that we hear again, like first-time donor retention is down. Oh, have you introduced a welcome series? Um, and then So people can actually go there and say, I've got this problem X. What can I do Y? We probably have something out there in our blogs or uh, somewhere, a webinar that we've done on it. So there's a lot of online tools. They don't actually have to speak with anyone. They could probably find it themselves. Okay, great. And I know we'll be asking you for this, you know, toward the end, but since you introduced it now, um, can you share with us what the website is and, you know, the blog? I, I'm assuming it's the same website just under the blog yep. tab. Super easy to find us. Um, fundraisingreportcard.com. That's one word. <laughs> uh, it couldn't be easier. That's the name of the product. That's the website address. If you can open a browser and type www.fundraisingreportcard.com, you will find us. Um, it's super easy to get there. And once you get there, it's super easy to sign up. We have a free version that any nonprofit uh, can use. Uh, that's super easy to find. You sign up. You, you, there's, a lim there's some limitations. We don't have all the dashboards and KPIs available for the free mm -hmm. version. You can only analyze up to 5,000 records. But at least you can get in and take a look. And it, you know, often is the case people take a look and then within 30 days they want to upgrade to get all the dashboards and KPIs or to analyze the bigger file that they might have. So nonprofits are welcome there. It's super affordable. Our pricing, there's a pricing tab. It's incredibly transparent. Mm -hmm. um, it's based on the mm -hmm. number of transactions uploaded. You don't, there's no guessing game that tells you exactly what it will cost. Um, and we also mm -hmm. have a consultant version. So consulting firms uh, and agencies and individuals use our tools to work with their clients. And so they may have four or five clients that they upload their files and do their analysis for. So we have kind of two clients, uh, nonprofits themselves, and we work with small to large and then larger mm -hmm. uh, mid-sized and uh, nonprofit fundraising agencies and independent consultants use the tools for their clients. Okay, great. Thanks for that. All right. I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Dan Doyle, Chief Evangelist for Fundraising Report Card, and this is an analytics and reporting tool for nonprofits provided by Market Smart. We'll now take questions from our listening audience and our chat room. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. And before we get back into our interview, I want to tell you a little bit more about Nonprofit Utopia. We are the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. We have created a safe environment in which our members can innovate, speak candidly about the issues and concerns 
that they face on a daily basis and share ideas and resources. You can go to nonprofitutopia.com for our website. Our community is nonprofitutopia.mn.co. And our mission is to provide ongoing professional development and networking opportunities in which experienced nonprofit professionals can share expertise with the next generation of ethical leaders. The overarching goal of the community is to give our members the tools that they need to develop strong organizations that will make a lasting impact. And our vision is to strengthen the global nonprofit sector by providing training and development opportunities for 50,000 emerging nonprofit leaders throughout the world by 2033. So that's enough about us. And back to you, Dan. Um, how can organizations maximize their fundraising across all channels? Wow, this is what I used to do. This is kind of, this is this is a <laughs> a great uh, area for me. This was my life. Uh, when I was the CEO and uh, principal owner of Mount Warwick Associates, we were a direct mail firm. So we, we managed one channel. Um, we managed low-dollar fundraising, mid-dollar, and high-dollar fundraising through direct mail with a little dabbling in telemarketing, uh, telephone fundraising now and again. And I acquired a digital firm, Donor Digital, uh, which was a premier digital fundraising, online fundraising a uh, company that uh, works exclusively with nonprofits. And the goal way back when I did this, this is some years ago, was to be sort of really just sort of make a big spring forward in integrated fundraising and being able to reach across multiple channels. So that, frankly, one of my strongest beliefs in this is was that we can make recommendations uh, that don't necessarily self-serve us only. And what I had found is mm -hmm. many, many direct mail firms kept saying, well, direct mail, direct mail, direct mail. And the digital firms were saying, digital is the place to be, digital is the place to be. We could come to the table because we offered an integrated approach. Could say, I don't really care how you spend mm -hmm. your money, where you spend it. I'll make an honest living um, helping you do that. I want you to spend it where it's most effective, short-term and long-term. So I think that was the beauty of having uh, an integrated fundraising model there, you know, the way people can mm -hmm. evaluate and maximize fundraising across all channels or the way they can maximize it is first evaluation. If you don't know the metrics across your multiple channels, you're dead in the water. Whether it's events, mm -hmm. which often are not measured, people have these wonderful events and they think they raise all kinds of money and they feel so great about it. No one really does the hard measurements across that channel, whether it's a, whether it's a black tie event or a challenge event. You know, your direct mail, your online, all of those things you have to evaluate. Again, going back to what we talked about a little earlier, long-term donor value. Each channel will have mm -hmm. its own metrics for success. Each one should be a part of what your organization is doing. So you need to know the differences. You need to seek balance. I, I'm always a both-and kind of guy. I think every organization should be acquiring low-dollar donors. They should be using phone mm -hmm. to those people who are responsive on the phone. They should be aggressively using online tools uh, to raise money digitally. They should be experimenting and tipping their toe into the water around social marketing. They should be savvy and mobile because it's not going anywhere. So I think it's a mindset for organizations um, that in order to maximize fundraising across all channels, they have to be aware of the metrics in all those channels 
and seek a balanced mm-hmm. portfolio. That's, that's really the best way to do it. Okay, so I've not used your platform, um, full disclosure. So I'm wondering, um, at what point do you use it? Do you use it? Can, I mean, can you actually input your fundraising plan in there? Um, should you have already determined what your metrics are and how you're going to determine whether or not you're successful, and then you get it? No, you don't have to do any of that. We do that for you. That's the nice thing. Is you, okay. Again, you don't have to be a data okay. analyst. You don't have to be a statistician. Uh, you do need to be a fundraiser. So uh, you don't have to be, but it sure does help if you're a fundraiser. Um, all <laughs> right. One minor do, I mean, detail. The, I, yeah, one minor detail. It helps to be a fundraiser because um, everything we do is about fundraising. And if you, if you get all the metrics and you don't know what any of them mean, then it's a little tough. So what I think the, 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 the way in which we can help people is first and foremost, we're what's called platform agnostic. You can sit on any database. We couldn't care. You could be on Razor's Edge. Mm-hmm. You could be on Little Green Light. You could be on Neon CRM. You could be on Salesforce. We don't care. If you can get a three-column Excel or CSV file off of your database, you can use fundraising report card. If you cannot, you have bigger problems. That we, you know, if you can't get a simple file off your database, let's talk, and I'll uh, help you figure out how to do that. We actually have tutorials on our website to help people, and it's amazing. 99.9% of the, the issues we have with new clients is getting data off of their database. It, it's, a, it's difficult sometimes. But if you can get a column that has a unique donor ID, a gift date, and a gift amount for every transaction that you want us to look at, or you want to look at, more importantly, you, all you have to do is export that, and you drag and drop. I mean, this is all the new technology that's available. You don't have to do any fancy imports or anything. You drag and drop, you point and click, it automatically goes from there. It does a QC check to make sure all the columns are right and all the data is correct. You know, if it isn't, it'll error it out and let you know what's going on. If it's fine, literally within seconds, you can have 100,000 some odd record. I just uploaded 600,000 transactions for a client. And within a minute, it was uploaded. All their dashboards were available. I was on the phone talking with them. So, yeah, we, we can play a big role in maximizing fundraising effectiveness by helping drive mm-hmm. the importance of metrics and making it so easy to do that, you know, it would be criminal not to analyze your program, frankly. We have a free version. It, is, it should be criminal if you if, – if you're not using the free version, you know, to at least get a couple dashboards and KPIs, shame on you. Get over there and use the free version. Right. So, question, disappointed clarification. When you say 5,000 record maximum for the free version, is that 5,000 donors or is that 5,000 um, transactions and you can have as many or as few donors as long as you have 5,000 transactions? Question. Great question. Our pricing model is super simple. It's transactions. So if you have one donor who made 5,000 gifts to you, we will look at that one donor's 5,000, um, yeah, right? Uh, the next donor we won't look at. So the free version, the nice thing also is if you have 5,001 transactions, we can still, we'll still analyze the first 5,000. We won't look at that next record, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. if you're a smidgen over 5,000, a lot of organizations say, well, that one or two donors, it's, it's not going to be that critical, or they even take out the transaction, and they still get, you know, some really good intelligence on their program. But if you've got, you know, 
6,000, 10,000, you, you really need to be on a paid version so that you can, we can actually look mm -hmm. at your data. And frankly, most clients that are on the free version should be on the paid version because we offer you know, far more impactful dashboards and KPIs, um, long time, mm -hmm. lifetime donor value, retention are available only on the paid version. So there's some real, real good reasons to be on the paid version. But if you okay. can't afford it and, and you're a little too the organization, you yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, finish your, your thought. So if you're a, an emerging organization, teeny tiny, just starting, we could still um, use this. Is, is that yeah. true? Is it, or is it, okay. Absolutely. All you need is an email yeah. address and a password, and you're up and running. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So that that's a great way, I think, for young organizations to start getting a discipline about themselves um, very early on. Some, sometimes organizations think that they don't have to be disciplined in terms of putting performance management systems in place until they reach a certain size. Yeah, that's a mistake. Say, no, no, that's a yeah, mistake. Say, yeah, that's a mistake. <laughs> okay. So, sounds good. I, I, I think that it would be very good for people to start as soon as they start an organization to get the discipline about not only managing the money, but, you know, analyzing, you know, what, what the data are telling you. So let's talk a little bit more about the fundraising lay of the land, so to speak. Um, should nonprofit professionals be worried about competition from other nonprofits? And I know you kind of started talking about this before, but, you know, given that there's a lot of competition out there, how can organizations differentiate themselves from friend and foe alike? Yeah, so to answer your question is should they be worried about competition, the answer is yes, absolutely, one. And then the second answer would be if you're doing your job right, maybe not, though, right? So it's sort of, uh, it depends is the answer. But I would start out with a, yes, you absolutely should be worried about competition. Especially if, you know, I, I've been saying this for probably a decade now. If you're sort of an old line, blue chip nonprofit, um, there are these young upcoming startup nonprofits that have unique visions of philanthropy and unique ways of fundraising and new and totally different ways of engaging individuals, utilizing technology that just didn't exist. If you're an older mainline blue chip group, you should be worried about that. You know, they are a direct threat mm -hmm. to your funding in the future and maybe even in the, in the present. You know, the, you kind of hit the nail on the head when, in the question, which is you have to identify your unique sales proposition, right, your USP. Mm -hmm. It's just like in business. You know, why are you unique? Or why wouldn't they, why should they give to you? What's the unique aspect of your organization, its mission, and its success, right, the need that you're meeting in the community uh, that makes you more important than another organization? So I would say, yes, everyone should be worried about competition, but if you're doing your job right and you've got a unique sales proposition and you've got uh, an aspect of your organization that makes you far better than others in terms of program delivery, engagement of individuals, success metrics, and uh, uh, solving critical problems in society, 
then you may not need to be quite as worried. But I think I would start at a position of, yeah, I'm worried. And then, and then hopefully work your way into a place where you're not as worried. <laughs> now, I, I, I get it. Now, realizing that you, your company is more I'm focused on analytics, um, helping people to actually improve their fundraising. Because my pet peeve on my end working with organizations to build capacity, it seems to me it, it doesn't matter what we do. It may be strategic planning, maybe board development, maybe fundraising, and, you know, in extreme cases, you know, helping people set up QuickBooks or whatever. But all roads seem to come back to nonprofit compliance, filling out your Form 990s, you know, right, you know, working with state regulators. Is there anything um, within your software package that would help at least remind people of, of their filing times, or is there a checklist that they might uh, refer to to remind them, okay, it's wonderful that you're getting all this money, but what are you doing to make sure that you, you stay compliant? Is that something that you guys work with? No, but it's a great idea. Um, yeah, compliance is sort of key, right? Uh, if you're not in compliance, mm -hmm. you you end up running a foul. You're, it jeopardizes your organization. But we don't provide any tools or products around that. But that's a great idea. Someone should be doing that. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I, I've heard horror stories, you know, rarely, but, you know, from time to time a funder may have a windfall of cash and they may call someone or may not call them. Um, but then they do an, they do a re, uh, do a search on, say, GuideStar before they announce to this person that they're thinking about giving them money, and they find out that the person may not have filed their 990s for a couple of years in a row. You know, and they're like, oh, you know, we would love to give this money to you, but you didn't file your report, so we're not in a position to, to give to you at this time. So, I mean, it happens. So that might yeah, be you know when I. Yeah, when I owned my work associates was the CEO over there, um, compliance was a huge piece of what we, we did because if, if our clients were compliant, we weren't compliant. The various mm -hmm. state attorney generals across the country kind of made right. fundraising agencies that we were responsible for the compliance of their clients. So if we had one client not in compliance, our agency wasn't in compliance, which meant we all of our clients weren't in compliance because they couldn't work with us. So we spent a lot of time making sure our clients filed when they needed to file, got the reports in on time. We did we did a lot of that mm -hmm. for them. So, yeah, it's pretty important. Yeah, which reminds me, you know, at one point they were talking about doing some uniform filing form, you know, for those people who uh, collect money, you know, online, you know, thinking that, there may be people who give money from other states, so why don't we use this uniform filing form? So if you file the form, you're automatically filed in all states. But I haven't heard of anybody talking about that form. Have you? Have yeah, you know, there isn't, a, there isn't, yeah, a number of states have opted into a uniform uh, filing form. So what it means, though, is you don't just fill out one form at all you know, the 30 who participate get it. 
you can use the same form for a variety of uh, the state oh. regulatory agencies. The, the really? issue is, unfortunately, um, you know, all this nonprofit compliance is state. You know, it's all around state uh, attorney generals for the most part who regulate this. And, it's, mm-hmm. you know, for all the great organizations that are out there doing wonderful things in the world, you know, it's just like anything, there are some bad apples. And it's unfortunately mm-hmm. many attorney generals have, you know, sort of made their mark around, you know, oh, I'm going to crack down on those bad nonprofits. And then they do stuff that actually hurts a lot of great organizations or create huge hurdles for them to jump over because they want to catch the, the folks who are not doing what they should be doing in the illegitimate nonprofits, which they should do. Um, but it just means there's a, just a lot of stuff. And, you know, I having, when I owned an agency, having had to make sure we did all the filings and, and the person on staff that, that did all this, you know, some of the stuff was just absolutely insane and just demonstrated that they knew nothing about fundraising effectiveness or efficiency or nonprofits. It was just a lot of moving papers and stuff. And, wow. and in other instances, it was, it was somewhat, unfortunately, sadly, clear that it was just a way for the state to make money because, you know, there were the fees associated with filing were really high and it just seemed like, you know, and they would fine you if you didn't dot one I or cross one T in ways that just, you know, weren't really good. So, you know, mm-hmm. but yes, compliance is important. <laughs> Don't forget it. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks. I mean, this was interesting. I mean, this wasn't something we planned to talk about, but I, I just found it interesting that, I saw an opportunity to raise it, so so thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I, I'm just wondering, too, we, we talked about compliance and how important it is, but along that line, you know, what, and not necessarily compliance, but what are some of the other mistakes that charities and other organizations make, you know, when it comes to their donor outreach? Yeah, you know, there was actually a book, uh, it's online, Andrew Olson wrote, I think it's called 101 Mistakes Nonprofits Make and How Not to Make Them. I think it's something like that. If you mm-hmm. Googled 101 Mistakes Nonprofits Make, Andrew Olson, O-L-S-E-N, it's, it's out there. Okay. I think you can even Google him and find his book. I don't know if you have to pay for it. It's free, but it might be online. He's written a whole book okay. on this, so there's lots of them out there. So I, I can't, uh, in the short time we have, get all through 101 of them, but I'm going to talk about two. I think there are two maybe big buckets or most impactful. Um, ways in which nonprofits make mistakes, right? Um, mm-hmm. The first is they forget to engage their donors. They talk mm. at their donors. They talk to their donors. So this is a big sort of you, you need to put yourself in the donor's shoes, be donor-centric. You need to engage donors in the organization, not just talk to them. It may seem like just such a subtle, unimportant difference, but it's vastly important. It's hugely important to engage per people as opposed to just asking them for money all the time or talking at them all the time. There's an old fundraising major giving adage. If you want advice, ask for money. If you want money, ask for advice. But one is engagement oriented. You're asking for advice and engaging the individual. The other is talking at a person. I need $100,000 to do X. Well, let me tell you why you shouldn't get that grand. That's the first one is failing to engage. I think that's a huge um, uh, mistake, marketing mistake. Mm-hmm. The other is it just goes back to my old days of direct mail, and it's I see it online all the time. I see it in social media. Forgetting to ask. <laughs> it is amazing, though. Uh, when I see stuff, 
they just don't ask for money. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, fundraising is our friend, I would say. Um, and you, know, you, you have to engage people first, but at some point you really do actually have to ask. I, I've, I had clients before because we were print media. You know, they have a lovely two-page letter, and I would just be struggling. I'd be like, you know, they would X out every time we said, would you please consider a gift of insert dollar amount? They're like, oh, we were asking too much and all this. So there, there's this really real reluctance uh, to actually ask for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say, you know, focus on engaging people because that actually makes asking for money easy. So, I don't know, maybe those are two, but grab the book. I haven't read the whole thing, but there's 101 <laughs> mistakes out there that Andrew has helped identify and, you know, you can avoid those by reading <laughs> well, the book. It's probably a good idea. And those are like two extremely important ones. So I, I really do thank you so much for sharing it. And, and I think that goes beyond, you know, fundraising, you know, that's with, with any business, yes. you know. So I, I think those are very, very salient, and I, I appreciate your sharing them very much. So. Okay, so one more time, I want to remind our listening audience that you have one more chance. You are listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Dan Doyle, Chief Evangelist for Fundraising Report Card. And Fundraising Report Card is an analytics and reporting tool for nonprofits provided by MarketSmart. We are taking questions by phone and from our chat room. If you have any questions, please feel free to post in the chat room. Or you can call us at 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 884-8121. So, Dan, um, just quickly, I, I know you're a data guy, but you've had significant experience you know, running companies, starting, um, starting companies that work with nonprofits and starting new products and services. What would you recommend that for organizations how they should go about developing new products and services? So my number one piece of advice here, and I've been saying this for a long time, and it's a critical problem I see in our community, uh, fundraisers and, and nonprofit administration and leadership, frankly, risk aversion. There is this huge standing of being risk averse in nonprofit, uh, and I, I would love for us to smash that um, uh, as, as quickly as possible, because you, we cannot rely on what we've done in the past again and again and again. And I think that there is just a, a foothold of risk aversion in the nonprofit sector um, now. You know, someone mm-hmm. can quickly call in and say, hey, I'm going to list three organizations that aren't risk-averse and doing unique things, and there are. And there's some <laughs> wonderful examples of organizations that are doing amazing stuff, kind of groundbreaking. It's because they're not risk-averse. Um, so the first thing is you just have to have a mindset of investing. Um, and I think mm-hmm. the, the, the one thing, once you've kind of shifted away from a saving and risk-averse, risk-averse mentality into a, a calculated risk investment, uh, risk mentality with an investment culture, you'll never save your way to success, right? You'll invest your way into success. Mm-hmm. Then you need to experiment. You know, the, the smartest organizations actually fund that. 
I, I know everyone, like mm-hmm. every dollar must be dedicated to program. And I think there's so much to be said about some small percentage of an experimentation budget, a little fun that you can tap mm-hmm. into. When I had a, an agency, we, we always encouraged our clients. It was hard to get them to do it, but within the program that we managed, let's have an extra Y dollars over here because if we learn something in the middle of the year and we're forced to stick to the budget, we're not going to optimize your program. So we'd love to have a little bit of money. We don't need to spend it. We won't spend it. You know, but if we have it, it's mm-hmm. available. So get out of that risk aversion. Get into an investment mentality. Uh, don't be willing to take risks and, and calculated ones, of course, and try and experiment by funding it. If you fund it, the money's there. It's easier to do. You know, and mm-hmm. that was the whole, frankly, that was the whole genesis of Charity Sprout that I founded, which was a whole new way to, uh, for, organi- for individuals to give to charities through mobile applications. And one of the toughest jobs mm-hmm. we had was talking with charities about nonprofits, about signing up for it. And it was because they were too risk averse. Well, there's no track record. And I don't know, well, no, of course there isn't track record. We're, you know, just starting it. So that was the number one problem, <laughs> just risk aversion. <laughs> so I've seen it again and again in my career. So it sounds to me like um, organizations should basically set aside money for R&D so they can be poised for new opportunities. That, I mean, that's what I heard, you know. As Name one talking. successful, yes. Name one successful company that doesn't do that. All the successful <laughs> companies have research and development, and nonprofits need to adopt that as a business practice, absolutely. I love it. I love it. I've, I've never heard that anywhere before. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna make everyone do it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. So suppose I was thinking about starting a nonprofit, or I'm running a startup nonprofit. How can I effectively manage my agency to maximize my opportunities for success? But most importantly, how can you, fundraising report card, help me to do that? Let me think about a couple things here with folks. The first is, you know, if you want to manage and maximize success, dream big. You know, I think those Mm -hmm. new nonprofits that are dreaming big solutions to big problems are going to be the most successful. We have an organization here in San Francisco. I'm in San Francisco, and I think they're going nationwide called Lava Mm -hmm. Bay, where they are, you know, they're trying to find the solution to homelessness, but what they've got is an amazing solution to uh, hygienics around that, which is having proper hygiene. Well, they, people who are on the streets don't have access to proper hygiene. They have a mobile showering unit that they hook up. Oh, uh, wow. They drive all, and so they go to people, and they're, they're, they have stations all across the country, and they drive up, and, and people can go in and shower and brush their teeth and clean, which is a huge preventative for medical issues down the road. They dream big, and they outfitted these big buses and rigs to just drive around the city and hook up to fire extinguishers and make all that happen or to other So dream big. Um, mm-hmm. As we just talked about, invest strategically. Have R&D as a kind of baking component of what you're doing. That'll allow you to maximize your success. Because if you're not nimble enough or have funds that are available, you can't exploit new learning. Uh, right. And focus on outcomes. You know, it is really, you know, I've been my entire career either working at nonprofits or in service of nonprofits, and we do such wonderful, wonderful work as a community. Where we often fall down is 
is we're, we're, we're just soft on outcomes. We're not good about measuring success. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not okay just to feel good about what we're doing. We really have to have demonstrated measurable success. So, so focusing on outcomes so that you know when a program is successful in solving a need and when a program is failing. You may feel really great about doing it, but if it's just not moving the needle, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be doing it. So, you know, I'd say dream right. big. Think of, think of investments, think of strategic investment, and then, you know, focus on hard outcomes. That will make your programs more successful. And we can help that, the fundraising report part, mm-hmm. um, by allowing people to analyze their data, to understand if their fundraising is actually optimized. Metrics do matter at the end of the day. And there's, we, we actually, here's a little plug, we do have a free book. If anyone, you know, unclear about mm-hmm. Fundraising metrics and dashboards and KPIs. Um, we have a book, Metrics That Matter. You could just even Google fundraising report card, Metrics okay. That Matter. It's an online ebook. Mm-hmm. You could download it. Just I think you give your name and email address to learn a little bit more about fundraising and why metrics do matter. And I think it could be a part of, it should be a part of any nonprofit toolkit. Okay, awesome. Awesome. If you don't mind, I'd like to link to that book um, and put it in my community, the nonprofit utopia community. Oh, absolutely. It sounds like a very Okay. Sounds like a valuable tool. Thank you so much. Alrighty. So we have come to the end of our show and I'd like to thank Dan Doyle, Chief Evangelist for Fundraising Report Card and Analytics and Reporting Tool for Nonprofits for being a guest. And um, report card I'm sorry, fundraising report card is provided by Market Smart. Dan, would you care to share any parting thoughts and tell our listening audience how they can get in touch with you? Yes, you can go directly to our site. Uh, If you can spell fundraising report card, you will find us, www.fundraisingreportcard.com. You'll go there. It's the easiest to navigate homepage. You can sign up for a free version by adding an email address and a password, and you drag and drop a file, and you're up and running. So the easiest way to get to us is just to go to fundraisingreportcard.com and you can navigate it. We have live chat on our website, so if you have a problem, mm-hmm. you don't understand something, you just type away in the live chat and someone helps you. Um, so that's how I would suggest people find us. Okay, great. And do you also have an online community, you know, once people sign up for your platform? Is there an online community that provides support and then people can share ideas as well? Absolutely. We have a blog so that people on there Mm -hmm. can look at the navigation. There's a navigation at the top of our website. You can sign up for the blog. If they're on LinkedIn, they can join the LinkedIn community we have there. So, yeah, there are a number. Those are two great ways um, to kind of be more fully engaged. Okay, great, 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 great. Thank you so much. All righty, so I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening to today's episode of Nonprofit Utopia. I encourage you to go to iTunes and leave a review. We have included instructions in the comments section to guide you through the process. And we'll be taking next Monday, Memorial Day, off, but be sure to join us in two weeks for yet another lively episode of Nonprofit Utopia. You can go right now and sign up for a reminder right on this episode page, and we'll talk again in two weeks. Have a wonderful holiday, and Dan, thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Okay, bye bye.